Thanks so much for listening to the Clifton Church of Christ sermon podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we hope if ever you're in Clifton, Texas, you'll stop by and say hello. We hope you enjoy this sermon. Good morning, all of you. And uh, for those of you who are online, thank you for joining us. Uh, Some of you may have had this experience. It was definitely my experience. But whenever I got to college, I remember first week they had an intramural week for all the freshmen. And of course the sport was, there was football and there was volleyball. And I remember there was quite a sizing up that took place with football intramurals, you know? There was, you know, nobody knows anybody really. And you're trying to make teams and there's a whole lot of, you know, like guys putting on their cleats from high school and a whole lot of guys really stretching and warming up their arm, you know, like, hey, y'all can tell I'm going to be the quarterback of this team, right? You know, uh, yeah, you know, I probably, I played a little bit, you know, Clifton Clubs, uh, you know, starting receiver. Yeah, that was me. You know, there's a whole lot of kind of sizing people up and who can play or whatever. And what I remember was that was my introduction to something that was, I wasn't a big fan of, but for some people it was a good thing, where in college, part of the first week is nobody knows your story. I mean, I mean, aside from a few people, you get there and it's a blank slate. And for me, that was kind of a bummer because I really liked the reputation that I had worked to develop, honestly. Like, I liked that people knew I was a, not the funniest guy, but I was a pretty funny guy. I, I, I liked that people knew I didn't cuss, that that was kind of, you know, I wasn't going to hang around and be a guy who just... Uh, had a a potty mouth, you know? I was going to be a guy who was a kind person, a trustworthy person, but you can't prove any level of trustworthiness or responsibility or how smart you are or kind without time. And and no one, you just have to take people's word. But for some people, this was an awesome thing because for some people, the fresh start was their chance where they were going to this is what I was known for in high school, this is who I was back there, but nobody knows that. And I get to start all over. Now, for some people, that looked like, you know, my name is Andrew, but I go by Drew. But, you know, I could have gone to college, and as a symbol of my changed personality, I could have, you know, introduced myself as Andrew. You know, hey, I'm, I'm Andrew. And everyone would have called me that. And then whenever my friends and family from high school came to college, and they were like, why is everybody calling you new Andrew? This is Drew, you know, or girls who, you know, they knew a hundred Katies in high school, and so they're like, I'm going to go by Kate now, you know. Uh, that's, that's what I'm going to go by, to, to distinguish their new identity. Some people, some people it looked like a change of clothes, you know. You have your whole wardrobe that you, that was, you were this person in high school, but then all of a sudden now you're in college and you're going to wear, you know, short khaki shorts and a polo and you're going to wear, you know, you're going to have your look that you're going to have now. Or maybe, you know, I don't know, if, if I had gone to Tarleton, maybe I would have had to, you know, get some boots or get, you know, I, I've got I to gotta get a new look. You know what I mean? You hear what I'm saying? And this image is, is a pretty decent image for what we're going to be talking about today, where there's a certain part, a big part of the New Testament, where part of the message Jesus and what Paul is going to write about today, where Jesus is trying to say, listen, that was part of your old life, and now you have a new life. And so let's read today. If you would, let's turn into Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to be talking about, and the illustration Paul is going to use is, you used to wear old clothes, and now you are wearing new clothes. So before we talk about the new clothes, we've got to talk a little bit about these old clothes, all right? So Colossians 3, starting in verse 5. Paul writes, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Let me see where I 
I sometimes I, I read and I forget when I'm supposed to change slides. So if I if I'm not keeping up with the clicker, somebody like start coughing or something uh, to tell me to change it. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So this illustration, it, it doesn't work perfectly, but one thing you can imagine when he's talking about putting off these old clothes, putting on new clothes, is that you can imagine if someone, I, I, I think this is how it works, I've seen enough movies and TV shows, that whenever someone goes to prison, they are given an orange jumpsuit or something like that, right? They're given a set of clothes to wear in jail. And then whenever they leave jail, I think they're given back their clothes that they came to jail in. Is that, is that how it works? Part of me wonders, what if they like lost weight or gained weight? You know, uh, I, don't, I don't know how it works. But I want you to imagine that someone is getting out of prison and they are receiving a new pair of clothes, a brand new pair of clothes. And the idea maybe could be, listen, you used to wear these clothes as a part of your old life. But now you are free from that old life of being in jail and you have a new life to start. Like I said, the illustration doesn't work perfectly. But part of why Paul uses this illustration is that in the early church, the very first Christians, many people believe, especially because of passages like this, that when you were baptized, people would actually come and you would take off your old clothes, you would be baptized, and then you would be given a new set of clothes. Usually like kind of some white clothes as a symbol of this radical thing that you've just experienced, which is that you have died to your old life and you have been born again into your new life. And Paul, when he talks about this old life, these old clothes, you may have, you may have just read those lists of things. You may have just read them and just thought, okay, he's just listing a lot of bad things, but really they fall into two categories. And by the way, your old clothes have many categories, but Paul focuses on two of them. First, he talks about um, part of your old clothes being the destructive use of sexual activity. When you read that list, you may not think of that all of those things have to do with that, but trust me, all of those things fall into that general category in his mind with Paul's listing. He's saying all of these things of your old life, the sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, all of this stuff is because this community there's many people that as a part of their old life of following these other religions had to do with things that now that you're a Christian, that is destructive and inappropriate sexual activity. And then the other category of things all have to do with things that come out of your mouth. All, come with, all have to do with the words that you speak. He says, uh, but now you must rid yourselves of anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. That is a part of your old life. And I did read one person this week that said, wouldn't it be interesting if the church took the words that we said as seriously as we take the first half of that list uh, with the sexual immorality stuff. But the idea is, is that these two things are two of the greatest gifts God has ever given us. Two of the greatest blessings he's given us in, in our life are these two things, the words that we speak and what we're able to do between a husband and a wife. And yet, because of our old lives, we have often taken those things 
and done immense amount of damage with those things. And, and any of us here, I, I believe uh, in James it talks about how your words can be like a forest fire. Just one word can spark a fire that can destroy a whole lot. And I know we've all been there where, you know, you can't put the toothpaste back in the toothpaste container, right? You say one little thing and boy, the ripple effects of how much that hurts people, how much it takes to regain that trust. And of course, the same is true for inappropriate sexual activity, that there's no coming back. There's no, oh man, this is something that is going to have such huge ramifications for the rest of my life. This is going to have such a ripple effect, both of these things. But I want to focus a little bit now on this part. I think I guess I'll just have to go back. I want to focus on this part where it says here, the being, the knowledge being renewed, which here it goes, and having put on your new clothes, your new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And so there are two things about this that I really like. First is the idea that it's saying you are being renewed in your knowledge. This whole letter, we've been focusing on this idea that about wisdom, about being smart, being wise. And what have we said? That being wise is your pursuit of God. How much are you prioritizing your relationship with God? It's not about how much you know. It's about how much God is the center of your life. And so when he talks about this idea of growing in knowledge of the image of the Creator, one of the things that I really like to think about Whenever you are someone who has come to know Christ and you're growing in your knowledge, these things of your old clothes, the old life before you knew Christ, become more and more clear to you how destructive they are. How many of you have had people that you know in your life that you see them making bad choices or going down a bad path, and you're just like, how do you not get that this is ruining your life? Or how do you not see the direction that your path is going? Come on, nod some heads. I know you've been there before where you've, you've seen people and you're just like, how come you don't get it? And here's the answer. They are still wearing their old clothes. They're not being renewed in this new knowledge, but you are. You have a new knowledge where each and every day you see them making a choice that is separating themselves from God, going down a path that God wouldn't want them to go, and you, because of your knowledge in the image of the Creator that you're being renewed, are just like, how do you not see this? And it's, it's obvious. It's because they don't, have, they don't see it at all. They're still wearing their old clothes, still living their old life, but your new life is slowly transforming you to be able to see just how destructive anger can be, just how destructive malice and not forgiving people can be, to see just how destructive it can be to hate your enemy. All of those things. Whenever someone says, sometimes I'll say like a quote, I don't know, like uh, I'll say a line that's like, you know, uh, hate cannot stop hate, but only love can. Some people are sitting there like, amen. And some people are like, mm, I don't know. And part of me thinks like, I think if you've gotten your new clothes on, then that starts to make a little more sense. And if you haven't, it doesn't start to make as much sense, or if you're earlier on. The other thing that I really like is, and I've mentioned this before, but the idea that with our walk with God, there are two dichotomies at work. I know that's a big word. Two sides of the coin at work. You are already made new. And you are being made new all the time. Each and every one of you, when you choose to give your life to Christ and choose to follow Him and die with Him in the waters of baptism and be raised with Him, you are a new creation. You are saved. You are redeemed. You are made new. Whatever phrase you want to use. But at the same time, and that's what Paul is saying, you've gotten your new clothes. But at the same time, he's also saying that you are still being renewed. It is a work in progress. There is still a transformation that's happening. So Anna Marie, when you were baptized, were you made new? Absolutely. Are you a finished product yet? Not at all. You're still being completely transformed and made new. You're saved and you're being saved all in the same breath. 
So I think that's a pretty cool thing. Let me read this just to wrap this up. This new humanity that we have, talking about this idea of the here, there is no Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, this new humanity, it transcends ethnic and social boundary lines of our world in order to create, as Paul says, the people in which no one is Greek or Jewish, circumcised or uncircumcised, slaved or free, but the Messiah is all and is in all people. You are new. Your old clothes that used to be defined by your ethnic background or by your status in this world or how much money you make, those clothes are gone. You've got new clothes on and the new clothes say, redeemed by Jesus Christ. So now that we've talked about the old clothes for a while, we've put off the old clothes, I'm sorry, I gotta catch up. We've put off the old clothes, now Paul talks about putting on a new set of clothes. Uh, this is in verse 17, all right? Like I said, uh, or wait, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved. Try to take a second to say that about yourself. Try to take a second to reflect. This is what Paul is saying that you are. You're not some nobody. You are chosen people, holy and dearly beloved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's a big uh, task to forgive as God forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You get this idea that he's saying, man, your new clothes have all these things, but don't forget that the glue that holds all these new things together is love. He says this in many of his letters, that all these things are important, love holds them together. But the peace of Christ, if you were in my Bible class, I don't know, a month or so ago, we talked about how in the Bible, when you see the word peace, think that of the word wholeness. Not just this like, oh, I'm, I have this peacefulness, but a wholeness, a completeness. Let the wholeness of Christ, these new clothes that you have, rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, to wholeness, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. How cool is it that what we do this week when we sing and we praise, when we sing songs, it's not just worship. Yes, it is worship, but we are also teaching each other the very faith that we hold together. This is especially important back in a time where you didn't have iPads, you didn't have pen and paper. Everything was passed down through oral history. Everything was about the things that we sang and the things we taught. That's how the faith got passed down. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay, so let's talk a little bit. I've got, I'm going to do this not too, not too fast, not too slow, but four things about this passage, this section that I think are important. The first thing is, is I want you to imagine that if I asked people today, not people in our congregation, just in general, I went and asked a thousand people, Imagine you lived in a town that was defined by these things. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. There was one town that that's how it was defined by. Or you could live in this other town that was defined by kindness, compassion, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness. Which would you want to choose? And for some of you in here, it would probably be like, well, isn't it obvious they would choose here? Isn't this obvious that this would be the town they would rather live in? I believe people who live in their old clothes, honestly, would probably more often than not choose this life over here, this town. 
for just a number of reasons. One, this town sounds like a whole lot of fun, right? Man, this town kind of sounds like a damp, you know, a dampen on, you know, this sounds like, like I know it's going to be a little crazy, but man, that, we're going to have some fun over here. And we as Christians have to be people that the way we treat each other and the way we live, we show the world that this is a hundred thousand times more fun and more enjoyable and a better life than this over here. Because no matter how much fun you have over here, there's a point at which it really, really hurts and you're really, really lonely and broken. Over here, there's not that path. Another thing I could imagine people saying is like, well, you know, Forgiveness and stuff, that sounds nice, but like, that sounds kind of weak, you know? That doesn't sound very, I want to be like strong and assertive. I don't want to have to constantly be apologizing for things. That life may sound better. It's not. And we as Christians have to be people that we constantly point people towards. This, these new clothes are fantastic. They fit great, you know? They feel wonderful. And you may think, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, isn't it obvious that these feel better? That is because you have been renewed with the knowledge of the image of the Creator. And other people, as obvious it may seem to us, they have not, okay? And they need to put on these, we need to help encourage them that these new clothes are fantastic. Another thing that I want to talk about is we often, as churches and fa church families, we sometimes do a really good job of emphasizing putting to death your old clothes. And maybe not a very good job of building up the new clothes, or vice versa. Sometimes we can be really great about talking about the new clothes and we don't, we kind of push under the rug some of the old clothes stuff that's not good. I would say for most of our recent history as churches, we've probably done a better job of saying, that old life you're living, you got to get that out of here. And Paul is clear. He's not shy about it. He says, put it to death. But we don't necessarily do a good job of balancing, focusing on the ways we can encourage and develop some of these new clothes and new things. And the same can be true if, if the pendulum swings back and we be create churches and church families where we're only telling people all the good stuff and we're never taking the time to, as Paul says, to teach and admonish like, hey, we as a church family, we love you so much that we want to encourage you that, that there's some things that are part of your old life that you're still letting hang around that you got to get out of here. Not in a mean way, but in a loving, kind way that we have to find the balance between both of them. Oh, sorry, let me go back. Oh yeah, actually, this is it. And then the third thing. The third thing is, I love this part where he says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Remember whenever we preached from John and we talked about how Jesus says, anything you pray in my name, I will answer. And I said, that doesn't mean that prayer is like God is a holy vending machine or a magic genie where you say the phrase, in Jesus' name, and all of a sudden your prayers are answered. If that were the case, then you should do it in Aramaic or... Greek at least. Don't do it in English because obviously that's how he would have said it back then if you want to give that a shot. That's not how, what he means. What he means is everything you do, do it with my will, with God's will, with the love of Christ, the self-sacrificial love at its center. And God says everything you do with your mindsets being, God, I don't know why, I don't like how this is turning out, but I'm going to trust you and I want whatever you're willing to do, that prayer is going to be answered. And the same thing is true where he's saying, if you're someone that's wearing your new clothes and you're facing choices and different things, everything you say and everything you do defined by this new uniform you have is, God, you are the king. No matter where I live today, you are reigning on high. I'm going to live today in the way that I'm going to be living forever in your kingdom by doing everything in the name of Jesus Christ. In heaven, when the, king, the new heavens and the new earth are here, every single one of us will be doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we can start doing that now with these new clothes.
So the last thing I want to say before I wrap up is that the Bible is packed with illustrations of you used to be slaves in Egypt and now you are free people. And so much of the story of Exodus is the people of Israel coming to terms with how do we go from being people that used to have slave clothes to being people that have free clothes? How do we go from a life where we were comfortable in our chains to I don't know how to adjust to this new life of following the God of Israel, God Yahweh, and figuring out what to do and constantly want to go back to their slave clothes. The prophets are full of, you were once ruled by these foreign places in exile and now you are free. Learn how to live as free people. Jesus comes and says, you were dead in your sins. You were enslaved to sin and I have died so that you may be free to this new life. These new clothes. And here Paul is using the same illustration. You were once living this old life, but then you died with Christ and you were raised with Christ and now you need to live in this new life, this new self, these new clothes with Jesus Christ. One of the songs that's really popular or has been popular recently that I really like is called So Will I. And one of the lines that I really like is it says, he's talking to Jesus. He says, if you chose surrender, so will I. And he lists all these things, all these things. Jesus, if you did this, so will I. If the rocks cry out in reverence, so will I. And then one line that always sticks out to me is he says, if you left the grave behind you, so will I. And that's Paul's calling for all of us, is you were living in the grave. Remember when I talked about Lazarus and talked about Jesus calling us out of the grave? Some people who are walking around with their old clothes on, their old self, they are living in a tomb living in a grave all the time. And Paul says, Jesus came and he died. And if you've decided to follow him and die through the waters of baptism and be raised with him, then you have decided to die to your old life. And now Paul is saying, get those old life, old grave clothes off of you. Put on your new clothes. If Jesus chose to leave the grave, you leave the grave also. If any of you are here would like to learn more about what it looks like to leave the grave, if any of you have any prayer requests, there are going to be elders standing at the exits. And I'd love to talk to you about what new clothes look like and what it means to follow Christ as we stand and we sing this song.